many glad we have a God who remembers? And talk today about the power of remembering and the power about going back and looking back into the past, looking what God has done, and looking at if we don't value what God values and align ourselves with what he's thinking and what he's done, uh, I, don't, I never believe we'll reach our destiny. But let me tell you a story. Um, there was a guy named Joe, and he loved golf. But his eyesight had gotten so bad that he couldn't find his ball once he'd hit it. He consulted with his wife, and she recommended that Joe bring along her Uncle Ted. Joe said, but Ted is 80 years old, and he's half senile. His wife replied, yes, but his eyesight is incredible. Joe finally agreed and took Ted along, and he teed off, and he could feel that he had hit it solidly. He asked Ted, do you see it? Ted nodded his head and said, boy, that was a beautiful shot. Joe excitedly asked, well, where did it land? Ted said, hmm, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, well, Lord, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for the power of memory. We thank you for what you will impart into us today from your word. We thank you that your word is living and active. And Lord, you, they've come to hear you this morning, Lord. So thank you. Let every word that's spoken this morning be from you for them. And we thank you for what you'll do today, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a shout of praise. He is good. <laughs> All right. So when we talk about the God who remembers, uh, the Torah, and the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, and I'm going to be quoting from a, a, a Jewish man by the name of Dennis Prager. Has anybody ever watched any of Prager U? Okay, I would highly recommend. Uh, very uh, influential man at this season. But he's been doing a study from the Jewish perspective on the first five books of the Bible. And I've been listening to those and gleaning from those. Many of you know you know, my wife's Jewish, and so I've always been, we've been connected a lot to our Jewish roots. And so he says this, when the Torah describes God as remembering, it doesn't mean that God has forgotten. Like, God needs some ginkgo biloco or something. Like, God, come on. Like, we got to help you remember what? You know, you know, like Jill Biden or something. He's not like Jill Biden. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. He has a good memory, Right. I remember, I remember Joe said in office, he said, this is the best economy I can remember. I said, that's probably true. <clears throat> so God's not like that. You understand? He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's, he's well aware of what's happening. But it says this. It means that God has, remembering means that God has decided now to act. That's what it means to remember. When you say, God, remember me. Remember me, God. And it oftentimes it's from a human perspective at long last. How many have felt like that before? How long, Lord? How long, God? When are you going to break through? When are you going to show up and show off? When is this happening? Well, our prayers are actually calling God, remember God. Remember, rise up and act. Amen? So the Lord has equipped us with a tool called memory. And we need to activate our memory in this season. Remember when we're, we're training children, you put a bunch of cards out, and, and they're trying to remember, get the matches, you know, they're, oh, which one? They're helping develop your memory. How many know the church has to work on developing their memory again? How many know that you as a Christian 
One of the best tools that you have for war and for victory is to go back and to remember what God has done. God, I remember what you did in the past. And do it again, Lord. I am not going to let my memory, I'm not going to have memory loss. I'm going to say, God, you're going to speak to me. So he's given us a tool. That tool is called memory. In Exodus 28, now it's interesting when you look at the Ten Commandments, you have you have uh, the Ten Commandments. Eight are donuts, do nots, not donuts, but do nots, if you know what I mean. And then two of them are actually commands to do something. So you have donuts and you have dues. And the dues are to honor your mother and father and to remember or keep the Sabbath. Now, interesting, when you, the, the Ten Commandments are mentioned, is one time it says, honor the Sabbath. And then the other one says to remember the Sabbath, to keep it. And this is the Hebrew word zakar. Everybody say zakar. <laughs> zakar, right? That's it, where the name Zechariah comes from. What would you say? Zakor. And what happens is that the name, like Zechariah, is, means Yahweh remembers. And it is a picture of us remembering. And I think the Sabbath itself is a time where we don't work so that we can remember what God has done, because if we continue to move forward, if we're always focused in the future, what happens is, is we lose our roots and our foundation. How many know we need roots and foundation in this season? As we do forward, we need to be heavy in what we believe and what we stand for. And if we don't, if our foundations are shaken, we're never going to reach our destiny. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So there's a picture where God's saying, Remember, don't forget all that he's done. Remember that you were slaves. Take time to think out. I remember when I was in bondage. So the title of this sermon is Rainbows, Robots, and Robot. <laughs> Rainbows, Robots, and Roboats. You try saying it. Let's all say it together. Rainbows, Robots, and Roboats. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. All right. And I want to talk, first of all, when we look at memory, is talk about rainbows. Because rainbows... How many saw Thursday the rainbow that God blessed us with over Richmond? I think I have a picture of that up there. But what? I was driving back home from meeting with some other pastors, and it was beautiful, this huge double rainbow in Richmond. Come on, did anybody see it? Anybody see it? It was amazing. And we're going to look into the, the history of, of the rainbow, and it's found in Genesis chapter 9, verse 13 through 17. And this is immediately after the flood... The Lord puts this rainbow in the sky as a promise that he will never flood the earth again. He says, I have set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all the earth. You see, God is a God of covenant. Covenant means he's a God that wants to bring us into relationship. 
He wants you closer than you can ever imagine. A covenant, the best picture we have of covenant is marriage. I'm devoted to my wife consecutively for the last 31 years, right? We're 31 years, 32, 31. Got to do my math, right? 31 consecutive years, just so you know. And that's what marriage is. It's, it's a picture of two people coming together and being one. That's what God wants with you and I. Through Jesus Christ, we can become one with the Father through Jesus, his Son. So this idea that he's longing for this oneness, and when he makes a covenant, he oftentimes gives us a sign. In marriage, that sign is, is the wedding ring. I could take it off, and I'm still married, but it's a sign that lets people know I am, am married. God put a rainbow in the sky, and he's done this with every single covenant he made. With the Jewish people, when, when Moses made a covenant with the Jewish people, the sign was the Sabbath. When he made one with Noah, the sign was the rainbow. When he made one with you and I through Jesus Christ, the sign was the resurrection. Every covenant has a sign attached to it. It's a picture. And we know that in our, in our community, there's confusion over the rainbow. Think about what a rainbow is. A rainbow has seven colors. Roy G. Biv. Everybody know Roy G. Biv? You guys met Roy G. Biv before? <clears throat> Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo. Thank you. Violet. There we go. Roy G. Biv. That's how you spell it. You all got that. Seven, seven colors of the rainbow. Fascinating that when you study the scriptures, there's seven feasts that the, the Lord establishes for the Jewish people. Seven feasts. The first one is the Passover, and the Passover is all about the blood. It's all about the blood. It's all about the, the first color a child sees is red. Red is, red is a, it's a reminder that before we can celebrate, we have to go through that process of being cleansed by the blood. But there are oftentimes, the Torah believes people can best internalize a memory through physical representation. So the Lord gives us these signs so that we remember. He gives us these holidays to celebrate so we remember what he wants us to remember. You guys following me so far? So we should make sure that we're celebrating what God's celebrating. We're remembering what God wants us to remember. Remember that you were once a slave. Remember that. It's a good experience for us to remember. Holidays commemorating great people and great events are important. And at this time in America, few young people know about the founding of their country and therefore have little appreciation of how special it is. How many know that the history of our country is under attack? They're tearing down statues in our communities. Why are they tearing down statues? To abolish our history so they can erase our history and once our history is erased, then they will claim it as their own. So we have to battle for good history. We have to battle to say, listen, America was, is, has an ugly history just like every other country. But America, in comparison to any other country, is the greatest country that has ever been. That's why people are trying to get into this country, if you haven't figured this out. That's why we have to build a wall to keep people out where most communist countries build walls to keep them in. You guys with me this morning? So what has happened is there is an attack against history, 
against celebrating certain things and certain people because they were flawed. You know, Martin Luther King, he had some, there was something about him that was flawed. There, he had flaws in his character, but the ideas that he stood for outweigh his personal character. What he stood for was beautiful, even though he had some personal flaws. So we have to honor those who deserve honor. And what happens when we don't have honor toward our past, he says, as a consequence, they have little gratitude for the immense good fortune to live in America. And few young people almost anywhere in the world know anything about the greatest evil of the 20th century, Nazism and communism. Communism has killed over 100 million people, and those are conservative estimates. In the Ukraine, communism under Stalin murdered, starved to death, six million people in Ukraine. Never was taught that until a few years ago. I discovered this is evil. This communism is wicked. And if we aren't teaching how beautiful our country is and our history is and why we are great, there are principles, founding principles, that make our nation great today, People will not have gratitude, and gratitude is a powerful force. Being grateful and thankful is very powerful. But if you've been lied to and don't believe those things, you have no gratitude. You understand where we're going, how important it is that we teach history. And the rainbow, even though our rainbow now has been taken over by the LGBTQ community, I had an incident where I went down to the Wayne County Museum, and I see this you know, love is love sign. And so I questioned them about that because that's what I do. Rainbows. Remember, rainbow is a sign. It's a sign of God's mercy. But the LGBTQ community has taken that sign of God's mercy and turned it into a sign of lawlessness. So what we have to say, listen, there are principles. And that statement, love is love, seems Convincing, well, pastor, love is love. There's actually three, three words for love in the Bible. Agape love, which is God's love. There's phileo love, where you get Philadelphia love for brothers, love for friends. And then there's an eros love. Eros is the erotic or sexual love. So according to the Bible, love is not love. Those are three different kinds of love. Now, from a biblical foundation... Sexual love is between one man and one woman in the context of marriage. That's eros love. That's where love exists. Phileo love is a different kind of love, love of friends. And then there's the agape love, which is the unconditional love of God, the great love of God. So to say love is love is a whole different ideology. Doesn't mean you can have sex with anyone you want. Understand, that's eros love. But you can, you can love anyone. Truly pure, a man, I can love a man in the same way I love a woman, but not eros love. Agape love and phileo love, yes, but not eros. You understand? So love is not love, and we have to address these things. If we are, we are creating a culture of lawlessness now, hear me, lawlessness. And people wonder right now, like, well, shouldn't we be more loving Matthew 24, 12, love, <laughs> love is speaking truth. Speak the truth in love. We have to be loving and firm in God's word. 
If people are eating crayons and they're wondering, why is my kid sick? Well, I love you. I don't want to offend you because I know you were raised loving eating crayons. That's not love. We have to speak truth. Why are people cold out in our community? The Bible says in Matthew 24, 12, because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of most will do what? Grow cold. So if we're expecting now to abandon God's laws and truths and commands, that's the reason why hearts of most have grown, grown cold. Now, the rainbow itself, it's beautiful because the rainbow is a picture of Jesus and God's mercy. After the storm, you look up and there is this beautiful rainbow that's powerful, that's beautiful. We see in Revelations 4, chapter 2 and 3, or verse 2 and 3, it says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and around the throne was a rainbow. Jesus' throne has a rainbow around it, amen? Because he is the picture of one who will return in the clouds to show mercy to those who have put their trust in him and those who follow him and obey him. Because that's what love is. Love is obedience to the Lord. If you obey me, if you love me, you will what? Obey my commands. That's love. That's what real love is. Number two, we talked about rainbows. Let me talk about robots. Everybody say robots. Many people in our society now have become robots because they haven't handled their past correctly. They do things and they operate and they function, but they've shut their heart down because of trauma that we've been through. Now, every day in my declarations, I pray the blood of Jesus over all past trauma in my life. How many of you want, don't want your pastor dealing with trauma in his life? I don't have room for it. You understand? Trauma trauma is like an infection that sucks the life out of your soul. I don't need anything draining my soul. So I'm asking every day, Lord, I cover myself in the blood of Jesus, all past trauma. And when we look into what, the, what a robot is, it's, it's a robot is someone who can function and do something, but their heart's not necessarily into it. God did not create you to do. He created you to be. And when we shut down our emotions because of trauma, we have to learn how to let go of our past hurts to forgive and to be healed. Because many people that we minister to, we, we minister into a lot of hurting people, and we just feel like we're not afraid to deal with uh, the ugliness of this world and the sin and the, and the sickness. We're like soap when it comes to dirt. We're like, slap me on that dirt. Watch what I will do. We're like medicine, the sickness. Medicine isn't like, oh, don't put me on there. I might get sick. Medicine doesn't get sick, okay? Soap doesn't get dirty. Like your mom said, hey, you got the soap dirty. Right? Because we know who we are. We're soap. We're medicine. We understand. So when we're dealing with people who have been through traumatic situations, and we all have. What are we trying to do? We're trying to get them to forgive, to let go. Uh, many of us who say, God, forgive me. We've been forgiven of our sins, but we haven't gone through the process of being healed. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another so that you are 
healed, not forgiven. So confessing your sins to a priest doesn't forgive your sins, but there's a healing process that happens when we confess our sins one to another. So we're going to do that this morning. Who's got some sins they want to confess? That yeah. yeah. Where's everybody? Everybody's running up here. Yeah, they got to. There are times, there are people that you can trust that you should confess your sins with. Amen. There are certain people. Giving you the microphone on Sunday morning, confessing your sins, probably not a good plan. Jeremiah 31 through 33, uh, 31, chapter 31, 33 and 34. Beautiful picture of in the book of Jeremiah. It says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Now remember, Jeremiah, he's, Jeremiah is a very interesting book because Jeremiah is prophesying to a nation that you need to just surrender to the enemy because you're going to be destroyed. And that's his message. And every time he prophesies, he either gets thrown in prison or they take the words that he says and then they, they burn them and they throw them in the fire. Everything Jeremiah does, he doesn't seem to get applauded for. He doesn't get many likes on Facebook, let's put it that way. But God speaks through him, and he says, listen, there's a new covenant that's coming. And he says, this is the covenant. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Goes on to say, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's the covenant that he's prophesying. It's a new covenant. It's a renewed covenant that's going to come in the future. And that's what Jesus brought. How many know Jesus came to the planet to bring us into relationship, bring us into a covenant with the Father? And this is one that's different than what he did through Moses in the Mosaic covenant. It's a beautiful picture of what is prophesied. And part of that is that he will no longer remember or hold against you the sins that you've committed. That's what makes the gospel such good news. He's a forgiving God. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins are covered. You're blessed if your sins are forgiven. Amen? You're blessed if your transgressions are covered. That's good news. You guys should be happy about that today in this nice little Methodist church we're in here. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's like, that's good news. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm blessed. So memory, when used correctly, can be a powerful tool for our well-being because we remember what the Lord has done. At once a month, we come and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We, we use these elements that help us remember his blood and his brokenness. And, and there are simple elements that we use, but they impact us. But memory, when used incorrectly, can be used as a deadly weapon that can lead to our demise. So we have to be aware of how we use this tool called memory. How many believe memory is powerful? My concern for you and for myself is that if we don't get into this place of, God, I remember the things that you've done. Spending time just remembering what you've done. In my darkest times, in my darkest times, when I feel like quitting and throwing in the towel and saying, I'm done, stick a fork in me, what I do is I go back to my journals. 
and I read through, God, you spoke to me about this. You said this. You declared this. You said this was happened. I get those prophecies back in my spirit because I'm, I need to stay in the fight. I want to get to my place, my destiny, my future. But if, if I'm always focused on out there and never taking time to fill myself up, I'm not going to have the strength to get to where God has me. So the power of memory, using your memory right now as a weapon against the enemy is something I want to encourage you guys to do. Declare the goodness of God. Declare what he's done. Look where he's brought you. He's not finished with you yet. He's got purpose and plan for you. And friends, let me tell you, I'm asking God to remember the things that my persecutors have done to me. I'm asking God, Lord, remember the evil that was done in our society two years ago. Remember all the people that were oppressed. Remember, remember the evil that was done under communism. Remember, Lord, what was done to my brothers and sisters in North Korea. Remember. These are biblical prayers. Because if we only remember the good, but we don't remember the evil, we're not being biblical. Jeremiah said this, Oh, Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance on my persecutors. Those are biblical prayers, by the way. I didn't get this off Wikipedia, by the way. This is the Bible. Samson prays this in, in Judges 16, 28. It says, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once, oh God, that I may avenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Like these are biblical prayers, God, remember me in this season so I can see the downfall of those who are harming and destroying our world around us. People are afraid to pray that prayer. I encourage you, get into the word. Look what has been prayed before. And when we do these things, there's, a, there's authority and power that comes on our lives. Dennis Prager says, the Torah repeatedly commands us, remember, Zakor, both the good and the evil. He says, remember what happened in the Exodus, but remember what the Amalekites did to you. He says, without remembering good, the most important moral trait, gratitude, cannot be sustained. So what he's saying is without remembering the good, we can't be grateful. That's why we celebrate the God's goodness. We celebrate those things. But he says this, but without remembering evil, people are likely, in many cases, destined to repeat it. So we have to remember both the good and the evil. And we ask God, remember those, Lord. Remember those who were not faithful. Remember those. So we have rainbows, we have robots, and we have rowboats. Rainbows, robots. Robo robots. Man, that's hard. Jeez. It's like saying unique New York. Say that five times. Unique New York. <laughs> that's tough. So why? What's, what's the rowboat? Well, let me give you a, a picture. Because in our Western mindset, we view time, we view the future as before us. The future is ahead of you. And the past is behind us. That's the Greek mindset or the Western mindset. The future is before you, brother. And the past is behind you.
But in the Hebraic understanding of time, when they think about time, it's like being on a rowboat. Jewish philosophers say the past is in front of us, visibly there to learn and grow from, but the future is behind us, unseen. We need to learn from history that is in front of us. So it's that picture of on the rowboat, and we are backing into our future, but with our history fully in view. Rowboats. Everybody say rowboats. That's the way we should look at our lives, so we're continually looking into the past. Too often, I think, as Christians, we're so focused in the future that we're not moving quickly enough into the past, that we're losing something. And this is what I believe I want you to challenge you today is to become a person that values the memory, that tool that God has given you for meditation, remembering, for teaching, for remembering our history, for honoring those people who have gone before us. You know, one of the things we've, we've done here when we've done a, a, our food ministry and we've come and celebrated, we bring, we bring people in here that talk about the history of Richmond and the good things that have happened. And we honor those people who have done good things. We honor the right people. We, we used to have the, the Levi Coffin days. Everybody remember the Levi Coffin days? And there was a few years, I remember about, about three years ago, suddenly they were no longer called the Levi Coffin Days. They were called like the, the Fountain City Harvest Festival. And I said, what's going on? So I called. I, I, I called the people who were in charge of the event. I said, why did you remove Levi Coffin's name from this festival? I said, this was a man that rescued over 3,000 fugitives in Fountain City. It's, it's the most, one of the most powerful people in America, him and his wife, that ever lived. Every single fugitive slave that came to their house was rescued and delivered. Not one of them, not one of them was ever caught. Not one. You should read his book called Reminiscence. It's powerful. It's a powerful book. And he tells the history of of how he refused to, to sell anything in Fountain City that was made by slaves. How many know the church needs to do that again? We need to stop giving our money to people who are against us, who are doing evil. That's what Levi Coffin did. That's what Catherine Coughlin did. So I called him up. I said, why? Why did you take his name off the festival? We need to honor this man and his wife. I did say, don't call him the Levi Coffin days. Call him the Levi and Catherine Coffin days. Because she's probably did more work than he did. <laughs> Guaranteed. I guarantee you that. And so we need to honor the right people. And he said, he said, well, guess what, Pastor? I said, we just decided at a board meeting that we're going to actually rename them the Levi Coffin Days. And I said, thank God. Thank you for doing that. But it's important. Do you understand? It's important that we're honoring and remembering the right people in this sign. Are you, am, I, am I making any sense this morning? All right. So I'm almost finished here. We're landing this plane. I've taken it down from five hours to a four-hour sermon for you. But what Deuteronomy 4.9 says, it says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. We have to be diligent with our memory. We have to remember, we have a, we have a society, we have a, a media out there that has no problem lying to us. No problem. And if you, <laughs> I tell people, get 
the Epic Times. They're not a perfect newspaper, but they are Chinese Christians who run it most for the most part. But you'll pay for news. I'd rather pay for the truth than be lied to for free. And the Epic Times is the most grounded news source that I could recommend to you. We can't just believe everything we see or every twist and turn that that they're doing. They're creating a history that's robbing us of the true history that we really have of our country. So it's important that we not only study and learn, but we look at the source. Where are these people coming from? Are they based on truth in the Bible, or are they making things up for their own agenda and for their own funding? And you'll find that uh, there are very few sources right out any, any more that you can trust. So we have to be diligent. Everybody say diligent. Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and make them known to your children and your children's children. You see, it's not enough right now that we just have the history for ourselves, but we're bringing our children into the history that belongs to them, that they don't forget. That requires diligence. That requires us to study and learn so that we can share the truth. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. <laughs> We have to declare from one generation to another. If we drop the baton, then our future, peop- our future children will never know what their history truly is. Psalm 71.8 says this, and we can close at this time. Let's stand together. We have a pad we can put on. I was in a recording studio a number of years ago, and there was just a part in a song that just needed, needed something. And I remember, you know, you're, you're paying like $100 an hour for studio time, and like, oh, there's a part, I don't have anything. And so I, I, I run out the studio, you know, I, I go in and wash my hands, and I'm like, okay, God, I need, a, I need something for this one part of the song and I can't spend three hours because that's 300 bucks. So, Lord, I need you to speak to me right now. <laughs> right now, Lord. And the Lord dropped this, this scripture on my heart that day. And it was a song that I'd wrote, written that was called Give Thanks. Give Thanks to the Lord. And so I just, I got this scripture. It just jumped into my spirit. And so I went back into the studio and I just, I just prayed it over this song. It was about giving thanks to the Lord and His love and His doors forever. But it said this, and this is, this is a prayer that I want us to pray together. And it says this in Psalm 71, 18. It says, so even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. We, you and I, and I know some of us have already arrived at Old and Gray. (laughs) We have a responsibility. He says, don't forsake me, Lord. Don't forsake me, Lord. Don't forsake me, Lord. 
until I proclaim your might to another generation. And God, your power to all those to come. We cannot let what God has done through us, don't forsake me, God, until this takes place, until that mantle is passed from my generation to the next generation. God, don't forsake me until that happens. Remember me. Act, Lord. Don't forget me, Lord. Don't forget me. Don't forsake me, God, until this mantle is passed on and it lives beyond my own life, but it's passed on to the next generation. Come on, I just invite you just this morning just to lift your hands up to the Lord and just begin to pray. Let's take about a minute. Just begin to pray and say, and just begin to intercede right now. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning, God, that this is a now time, a Kairos moment for you and I. This is a moment for us to rise up, Lord. This is a moment for us, God, that we pray. Remember us, Lord. Act on our behalf, Lord. And God, don't forsake us until what you have done in us is powerful enough that it becomes transferable and contagious and addicting to the next generation, God. Holy Spirit, come. Father, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters. Fill them with fire and power, God. Refresh and renew them, God. Lord, that what's in them goes from a spark to a flame, God. And Lord, what happens in their life cannot be explained by man. But they will know that there was an encounter, that they had an encounter with you. And Lord, it, it impacted them so much. The Lord, the next generation says, I want that. I need that. Do it in me, Lord. Do it in me, God. Do it in me. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just pray in the Spirit. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. If you have your prayer language, pray in the Spirit this morning. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I see chains, shackles right now coming off your hands and your feet right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I just declare you fully receive your forgiveness for what Jesus has done for you. That you're no longer chained to your past. Thank you, Lord, that you've delivered us from slavery, God. Thank you that we are free, God, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just lean into the Lord this morning. Lean in. He's freeing you up this morning. We command the spirit of infirmity right now. Go, Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for past trauma being healed this morning, God. Healing of trauma, Lord. Trauma that my brothers and sisters have faced in their life, God. Healing those areas that they've shut down in their life because of wounding and betrayal and hurt, God. Heal them this morning. Come. Come, Lord. I thank you right now for the memories that you're activating right now. Those good memories that you're activating. 
God, I thank you for memory activation right now in the name of Jesus. The Lord's touching some memories. These memories are going to be coming back, and they're good, and I want you to, to write them down, to establish them. They're books that are being released right now, that we declare the works of God. We declare the testimony of God. Some of you are just going to get on video and just say, look what God has done. You're going to share it. You're going to reminisce. You're not going to let those good things that God has done go down to the grave with you. But they're going to be fodder and fire for the next generation. Don't let them die with you. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we ask today, we ask that you would remember us. She would remember our nation, God. We pray today, Lord, she would act, remember the covenants of our forefathers. God, that you would arise and act, Lord, over the United States, over our country. And God, that you're raising up leaders. We're crying out to you this morning, remember us, Lord. Remember our bondage, God. Remember the, the commitment of our forefathers. Forgive us of our sin and heal our land, God. We ask today, God, arise. Remember us, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.